man, it's good to see you. How's everybody doing? Yeah, good, 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 good. Well, even uh, those of you that I can only see your eyes, you're still good looking, just so you know that. Uh, it's not taken away from you at all. Uh, I do feel like I'm being held up which is fantastic, right? Who knows all these masks? But I'm gonna tell you this, it has been so awkward with me not being able to use my superpowers the last three months, right? I have a superpower of hugs, can't use those. Uh, Superpower of smiles, those don't work either. So it's been a weird season, yeah? Absolutely, but I'll tell you, this too will pass. I'm telling you, once Jesus is done with this stuff, it is gone. That's what I do know. He is in charge. So I'm glad you're here because I have a vision message to encourage you and get you fired up. So I'm super happy that you are here. And to all of you online, here we go. You might want to take some notes. I'm going to come at you real fast. If you are a note taker, take out all that stuff. If you've got a Bible, get ready. We're going to go through this real fast. We are in part six of our Connecting to Church series, and I entitled today's message, Home-Based Kingdom Building. Home-Based Kingdom Building. You've heard about home-based businesses, home-based ministries. Well, this is home-based Kingdom of God building. Tell you how that's going to work. It's a vision message because I believe that we have hungered down for a while, and most of us were in survival mentality. Right, It's this idea where I don't know what's going on with the COVID thing and everything's going crazy and how serious is this? And we all just kind of shut down for a while and hid under a rock. Well, here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. I think it is time now to begin to lift up our heads, get our eyes back on Jesus, and start being about the building of the kingdom of God. If we wait for everything to calm down and get perfect for us to start doing kingdom work, we're never gonna do it. There's always going to be something. And I just need you to know that God is never limited by what limits us, right? And I'm gonna make that abundantly clear in the message today. So this is where some of you that are uh, longtime Christians are gonna say, hold on, pastor, I know my Bible, and you know what? The Great Commission says that we need to go out and tell. Well, how can I go do that when I'm at a shelter-in-place order or I have to wear a mask and I can't communicate? You know what? As much as that is true, it is equally true that we have a mandate to be salt and light. Do you realize salt and light doesn't go anywhere? Salt and light just emanates right from where it's at. Wherever salt lands, it flavors. Wherever light is, it shines. Because as much as we go and tell, we also stay and shine. And I just need us to know that the kingdom of God can be built right through us, right here, right now, with all of our limitations. I know that to be a fact. As a matter of fact, I think that we have something really, really important to talk about, and here's what it is. I believe that Bridgeway Christian Church, the church that you are a part of, has a very significant calling from the Lord. I believe that although God's, all of God's church is unique and powerful and effective, I believe that we need to talk about what our job is. So I wanna cast out a little bit of vision about where I think God is taking us. And then I wanna make a very, very important point about that. So here's a couple things that are on my heart. In the future, Bridgeway will become more and more relevant to the world around us, why? because we will not shrink back from difficult issues and controversial subjects. We have never avoided them in the past and we're not gonna avoid them now. What it means is we're gonna walk right into that which is hard and use a biblical lens to help us start navigating what is complicated. You see, a lot of the world begins to see the church as irrelevant, 
We are not going to be irrelevant. The Bible has something to say about everything going on in our world today, and if we're not talking about it in church, where are we talking about it? It is critical that we handle those things, and you are in a church that does not walk away from controversy. We're gonna walk right into it and help give people tools by which to navigate. Number two, in the future, Bridgeway will become, by design, more and more interactive. And what I mean is not just interactive with each other, but interactive with our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. What this means is that we have designed things in mind for our church to where when you are in this building, when you are on this campus, you are having an experience with your creator. It is not merely an observational sport. Hey, I come to church and I kind of check out what they're doing on the stage and then I go home. No, we are designing everything at Bridgeway as we move forward to be more interactive and more engaging both vertically and horizontally. Here's another one. In the future, Bridgeway is going to double in size. How do I know that? Because we are going to take seriously the call of every believer to be an evangelist and missionary. Every single one of you have been called by God, built by God, empowered by God to share your faith with everyone you love. When I talk about sharing your faith, this is where people get all nervous and, well, I don't know if I can really share my faith and I shared it one time with a friend and they rejected me and hold on, we're gonna talk about this morning. It's actually way easier than you think it is. But when I talk about sharing our faith, I'm talking about good news. Good news is always valuable. Good news is always welcome. Why? Because here's the good news. God loves the world so much that he gave his only son to die for us that are sinners, that we might have eternal life. Who doesn't want to know the love of God? Everybody needs to know the love of God. So we're going to tell everyone in our social networks that God loves them. Amen? And because of that, that's always attractive. So people are gonna continue to come in. Here's another one. In the future, Bridgeway is going to increase our influence in the greater Sacramento region. How are we gonna do that? We have been called to be an equipping church to build up other churches around us. We're gonna be partnering with churches like Center of Praise. With who? Bishop Lovelace, right? Bishop Parnell Lovelace, who was just here. He's so amazing. We partner with them in all kinds of stuff. But we're also partnering with churches like Bayside, who just launched out the Thrive Conference, which in my opinion was absolutely astounding. I thought they did an amazing job. We have partnerships all throughout the region. What this means is, in the future, Bridgeway will become one of the hallmarks in the nation for all the ministries that we are doing. Not just the preaching and teaching, I'm talking about the worship and the Kids Way program and the young adults ministry and everything that you're a part of. You know how we just had an announcement talking about that I launched a brand new podcast, right? What did I say? It goes all over the world. What that means is all the eyes are now starting to look all towards Bridgeway. What that means is every ministry you're a part of is suddenly becoming on the map that people are gonna look at it and say, how ought I to do ministry? And I believe that there is a unique blend of Christianity here at Bridgeway that needs to be spread. What do I mean? Christianity that is real, relevant, authentic, vulnerable, with humor, that's us. I think we need more of that in our nation and in our world. And so as God is putting us more and more into the center 
of attention, that means every single ministry you're a part of now all of a sudden has higher influence. And then finally, in the future, I believe that Bridgeway will become more known as a place where you are seen and you're known. All of our designs for the future have to do with us getting bigger by feeling smaller. Everything is designed around small groups, connection, being involved, serving somewhere, making friends, all of that. The idea of family, this has to be part of our move forward. And I want to make sure that everywhere you walk in Bridgeway, you feel, first of all, that you're welcome. I want you to feel that you're loved. And I want you to know that people will know when you're not here. The only way that's ever going to happen is when we have friendships and we're all involved in smaller communities. So that is going to be part of our design. Now, is this something that we can be excited about? Yeah, amen, right? This is what we're supposed to do. All that is not going to happen unless we are intentional and strategic, which means there's some stuff we need to talk about, and I'm gonna give you that fill in the blank. The entire message hinges around this fill in the blank. Maybe that's on your app or you printed out the sheets for the service today. Maybe you're following online. Here's the fill in the blank, you ready? More people need to know Jesus now. More people need to know Jesus now. Everyone's like, well, that was a stupid, I already knew that. No, no, no. Most of us are going, man, when things clear up, I'm gonna start getting back out there. No, 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 there's no waiting. More people need to know Jesus right now. So how do we build the kingdom with limitation? How do we build the kingdom when we feel hindered? How do we build the kingdom with masks on? How do we build the kingdom with shelter in place? How do we build the kingdom without the ability to travel? I'm gonna tell you it's the same way God's always done it. Let me tell you the example of the Apostle Paul. Can you turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter one? Philippians chapter one, verse 12 through 14, if you could get that prepared in your Bibles. Philippians chapter one, verse 12 through 14. It's gonna be in the New Testament, so you'll drop your Bibles open in the middle and go to the right. Eventually you'll find it. Philippians chapter one, verse 12 through 14. You see, Paul the apostle was constantly thrown into limitation. As a matter of fact, he was in prison a ton. Whether it was house arrest, where he was chained to another guard in his own house, or whether or not he was in a dungeon. He was in prison A lot. Now, I need to explain to you how I view the Apostle Paul. I view the Apostle Paul as the premier evangelist and church planner of all of Christianity. He was so highly effective. He was the one God used to move the gospel from the Middle East even over to Europe, which is the whole reason why this church even exists. Because it began to spread worldwide and it wasn't just a local phenomenon. One thing that I know about the Apostle Paul, he loved breaking new ground. He loved traveling and being in a place that never heard the gospel before. That was his favorite. And yet God consistently threw him in jail where he couldn't go anywhere. And you go, man, I wonder how he felt about that. Did that break his spirit? Well, he actually writes about it. Before I get to your Philippians passage, listen to this. This comes out of 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9. Here's what Paul said. Remember Jesus Christ as I preach in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. What was his perspective? 
my limitations do not limit God. You want to get a little bit more extreme? Let's look at the verse that I gave you, Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 14. Paul said this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, my limitations, my imprisonment, has really served to what? Advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are even more bold to speak the word, speak the word without fear. Do you realize if God would not have had Paul on house arrest and slowed him down, we would not have the prison epistles? What are those? Without his limitation, we would not have had the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or Philemon. As a matter of fact, if you enjoy the book of Revelation, just remember, the only reason John wrote Revelation is he was exiled on the island of Patmos, completely lost of all of his freedom. We would not have any of that. Does the kingdom of God get limited by our limitations? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, one of the key books that I just mentioned was Philemon. Do you realize that the book of Philemon chronicles the fact that Paul, on house arrest, ended up ministering, got to knock on the door, and a runaway slave comes to his door. And that runaway slave's name is Onesimus. He ends up getting saved under Paul's ministry, ends up joining the ministry and getting involved, and then what? At some point, when he gets mature enough, Paul says, you know you have to handle the stuff that you ran away. You know you need to handle your legal issues. I'm not saying that you should have been a slave in the first place. What I'm saying is our society is messed up, and I need you to handle your stuff. He said, but I'm going to send you a letter. And do you know what happened? Paul, in that letter, put his money where his mouth is. He said, if this slave owes any money, put it on my account. He, he put his whole ministry on the line, said, I want you to receive this man as your brother in Christ. I want you to set him free, and I want you to send him back to me. And I'm going to put all of my reputation on the line. You guys, you think this doesn't apply to today? Paul didn't even leave the house, and he began to root out the entire system of slavery. Now, I'm just going to do a quick side note because of the stuff that's going on in our nation today, I'm just gonna make one quick point, and that is this. Until we start following that Philemon mandate, until people of privilege step in and help those that do not yet have privilege, it's gonna take a lot longer and it's gonna get a lot messier. I'm just telling you, I believe that the Christian response to systemic racism is to be involved. I think we need to do that. Now let's keep moving forward. I just need us to understand that once that trial is done, God moves it away. How do I know that? Because in Acts chapter 12, it tells another jail story. Did jail hinder God? Well, let me tell you this. Herod the king, bad guy, ends up arresting James, one of the original disciples, one of the apostles, and he kills him, gets such a positive response from his followers that he arrests the Apostle Peter. And everyone's like, great, now we're gonna lose another one. In the jail cell that night, what happened? An angel showed up, knocked the shackles off of his arms, 
opened the door and said, kid, we're going home. What's the point? If God doesn't need you in the trial, you just get out of the trial. That's his point. If there is a limitation that God doesn't want, he'll move it out of the way and bring you into freedom because our limitations do not limit God. Come on, we gotta hear an amen on that one, right? Amen, yes, three people agree. Here we go. So here's what we need to be talking about in this message. More people need to know Jesus now, and that's gonna involve two things, evangelism and missions. Everyone's like, I don't even know what those mean. I'll make it real quick. Evangelism is sharing the love of God with people who are like you. Missions is sharing the love of God with people that are not like you. There you go, not rocket science. Uh, Can we do that? Yeah, it's all of our job. We share the love of Jesus with people that are like us and with the people that are not like us. One's evangelism, one is missions. Guess what I'm getting my degree in? My doctoral degree, which is why I was out for a little while. Evangelism, missions, and discipleship. It's the whole point of what we're doing. And you go, man, I don't, I don't know, missions sounds really heavy. All right, God just made it easier for you. Let me explain. You know I love history, right? Modern era of mission started in 1792 with a man by the name of William Carey. William Carey wrote a book, and you know what nation God had on his heart? The nation of India. He launched out, it's the same year that the, the Mission Baptist movement began, that he ended up taking the gospel from Europe out into the edges wherever a boat could take him, and he began to launch out missionaries all over the world to the coastlands. But then in 1865, a man by the name of Hudson Taylor launched the Inland China Mission and said, we can't just go on the coastlands, we gotta go inside the nations. And he went into China and began to do an explosion all across the nation, and all the other missionaries began to go inside. The third era of missions launched in 1974. 1974, does that seem all that long ago? I was alive, tell you that. You're like, yeah, but you're old. Okay, whatever. All right, here's my point. My point is a man named Ralph Winter said, we gotta stop being only focused on geography and we need to focus on people groups. There are people groups in the world that don't know Jesus. Which, by the way, did you know after 2,000 years of Christianity, there are still 3,000 people groups in the world that have no access to the gospel? Now, are we doing a lot of work on it? Are we doing a lot of advancement? Yes. Missionaries are doing an incredible job. But that era, that third era with Wycliffe Bible translators and all that, that has been the era we've been in ever since. But there's a change coming. We are about to enter into the fourth era of worldwide missions. And you know what it's about? Three things. First one is urbanization. Do you realize that in 2008, our world changed? For the first time in history, more people lived in cities than did not. That changed everything because our world is exploding in population and all the population is going into cities, not into the countryside. So the new era is urbanization, ministry in big cities. But here's the other two pieces. It's gonna happen through social relationship networks and online. Who do you think is gonna lead us into those great new frontiers? Everybody under 20. You are now gonna watch and realize the power of our youth and what they are about to do in the world today. 
It's extraordinary. But let's make it more personal. You go, yay, okay, the missions, I get that. Okay, hold on a second. So you're talking to me about sharing my faith. Isn't that scary? No, it's not. Let me tell you why. Do you realize that statistically, most people receive knowledge about Jesus Christ from a friend or a family member? Those people aren't scary. Everyone's like, well, I don't know. It's like the person on the street and then you gotta like hand them something and you have to have a super awkward conversation. Statistically, that era is past. Nobody's doing that anymore because now there's so much bombardment, they have to have a way to navigate and it's through relationships. The number one way to minister is through your friends and your family, people you already know. Here's the other interesting thing. Do you realize it's more caught than taught? It's not what you say, it's how you live. And what's so important about that is that it happens on accident. While you are consistently loving people, God opens doors for you to be able to share Jesus with them. How do we know that? The law of receptivity. The law of receptivity says that God moves people from open to close, to open to close all throughout their life. The law of receptivity says when they're open by the Holy Spirit, anything works. When they're closed, nothing works. So here's what happens. You go, I already shared Jesus with my one friend. They didn't want it. Of course not. But what about you continuing to love them and in three years when their marriage falls apart, suddenly they start looking at Jesus in a new way? You see, we tend to close the door and then leave it closed. God's not shutting doors, if not gonna open them later again. He knows what he's doing. The unfortunate thing is statistics show that the longer you're a Christian, the less effective you are to the world. You know who the best evangelists are? Brand new Christians. If you're brand new, you are our hope. I'll tell you that. Why? Because you're fired up and you haven't insulated and isolated yet. When we become longer Christians, we block out everybody else, only have our little tiny world, and we stop making friends that don't know Jesus. That's gonna be a real problem. I hope that our church is different in that way. I hope we still have a lot of connections with people that don't know Jesus yet. Why? Because they need to know his love. And then in one last encouragement, well, two last encouragements, hold on. Because one, I have to share with you because it's my new favorite quote. You guys ready? Okay, here's the thing. Please don't leave it to the professionals to share their faith. Because here's what happens. Most of us as Christians are like, you know what? I go to this church and I know this one pastor and I know this one lady, she's a leader and she's super good at it. So I'm just gonna let them do it. Don't ever leave it to the professionals. Why? Listen to this quote. It was from George Hunter. This cracks me up. Here's what he said. Shepherds don't make sheep, sheep make sheep. Just think about it. Shepherds don't make sheep, what do they do? They manage sheep. What do sheep do? Make other sheep. So here's the thing, if we're gonna talk about the world being transformed by Jesus Christ, it can't be me, I'm the professional. It's gotta be you. You're the one empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're the one that has the authority. You're the one that has the identity in Jesus Christ. You're the one going everywhere that I can't go you're gonna have far more power than I will ever have. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. And here's my last encouragement on that. It's this, do you realize you don't have to do all the saving? God saves people, the Holy Spirit takes them through the process. Your job is just to love them and do what you can in your little part whenever you can. 
I just want all the weight on your shoulder to fall off. Because here's what's intriguing. You're already doing evangelism and missions and you don't even know it. All I'm saying is let's be more intentional about it and more passionate about it. Amen? Because we got a lot of work to do. Now, here's what I want to share with the rest of our time. There have been two massive movements in our world today that have captured our attention, and rightfully so. The first one is the COVID coronavirus. And I want to be very clear. What I'm about to share is some spiritual truths I've learned from it, but I don't want to take away from the seriousness of it. There are some of us that have lost people. There are some of us that have family members that are sick and we're scared. I'm not trying to detract from that at all. It is a very serious issue. But while watching it, I've observed some things about the kingdom of God. The second major issue that's going on in our world today was highlighted, not caused, highlighted by the killing of George Floyd. See, everyone goes, man, the racial issue sure came out again. No, it was always there. It just got highlighted and it caused an explosion when millions said, I'm sick and tired of this. So that big movement, I don't want to detract from it at all. I think the church should be involved. I think that Christians should be involved. What I'm telling you is that while I'm watching the aftermath of this, the necessary aftermath, I'm seeing a whole bunch of spiritual truths come out. So I just want to take our remaining minutes to share these truths with you. Is that all right? You have no say against it. I have the microphone. You don't. Right? That was rhetorical. Here we go. Let's move on. Uh, Three things I learned from COVID-19, from the coronavirus, that I think applies to the kingdom of God. Here we go. Number one. You might want to write these down. Number one. Ready? And you can find out if you agree. First thing I learned, things can go worldwide virally overnight and impact the globe. Man, if you ever wanted to know if that's true, how long have we been in this coronavirus situation? Feels like years. How long has it really been? Not that long. And what happened? Almost every nation in the world has been impacted by it. You're telling me that things can't go viral and spread across the entire planet in three months. We just watched it happen. What does that mean about the kingdom of God? Here's what I think it means. It means worldwide missions can happen right from our doorstep because things go viral all over the place. I wanna share with you my new favorite stats. You ready? Everybody familiar with LA County? LA County, those are our southern neighbors, right? The south coast, right? So in LA County, which has LA City and some surrounding counties, do you realize it is an anomaly? Now it's becoming more common, but it's still an anomaly. Do you realize it's the largest county in the world and it has 10 million people in it? You go, well, what does that mean? It means it has a bigger population than 42 other United States. That's incredible, in one county. Here's what's interesting about that. That if it was a nation, it would have a GDP within the top 20 of the world. The city of LA was named by Forbes as the eighth largest powerful city in the entire world. Right? Now, you go, I don't understand. What are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. Do you know how it's made up of? Who lives in LA County? The entire world. Here's why. Here's their demographics. They're 48, 48.7% white, 44.6% Hispanic, 11% African-American, and 10% Asian. You go, well, that's more than 100%. 
due to census counting, it doubles up on a few things. But here's what's interesting. Less than half of those 10 million people speak English at home. Less than half. Majority do not speak English in their own homes. You go, what what are you saying? I'm saying that it has 172 nations in that county that it has 224 identified languages spoken in that county. And here's what'll blow your mind. It has the largest community and population of Thai people outside of Thailand in the world. It has the largest community of Vietnamese outside of Vietnam. It has the largest Cambodian population outside of Cambodia. It has the largest Iranian population outside of Iran. As a matter of fact, Beverly Hills is 20% Iranian. Also, check this out. It has the largest Korean population outside of Korea and the largest Christian Korean population in the world, including their own nation. In one county, in California, these are our neighbors. Listen, you're telling me that the whole world is not represented right on our doorstep? Of course it is. Here's the second thing I learned from coronavirus, is that viruses transfer from person to person even better than social media. What do I mean? No one's ever caught coronavirus through social media. And yet the whole world is concerned, why? Because proximity and relationship matter and it goes from person to person. What else goes person to person? Gospel. That means if the virus can spread, so can Jesus. That means that from person to person you go, well what difference am I really gonna make? That's what everybody says. But if you are transformed by Jesus and you end up sharing your love with all the people in your life, it goes worldwide real fast. That's the whole point. Listen to this. This is another statistic that blew my mind. You ready? Do you guys think that worldwide poverty is a problem? Have you ever thought about how heavy it is of all the people dying across the world from no money? It's terrible. You know who the number one group is that is solving a worldwide problem of poverty? You ready for this? Immigrants. Do you realize that international migrants currently in the world right now are the population of all of Brazil, just moving around the planet, and they are all earning money wherever they live and sending it back home to alleviate poverty? And you go, I don't understand. Here you go. In 2017, it is estimated they sent home $450 billion. What does that mean? It means they're the number one factor of alleviating worldwide poverty on the globe. And you know what's more stunning? They do it on an average salary of an immigrant of five to six dollars per day. This whole business about, well, I don't know if I have the money and I don't know, Five to six dollars they earn the entire day and they're sending 450 billion dollars to alleviate poverty back home. What does that tell me about the kingdom of God? It tells me this, a little bit goes a long way, amen? And then they are the greatest evangelistic force in the world, migrants, why? Because they can go back home in a nation where you're not allowed and they do it better than you would ever do it. So if you wanna talk about the power of Jesus spreading, you might wanna talk to an immigrant. 
because they're more powerful than you ever imagined. It's incredible. All right, number three that I learned from the coronavirus, it's this. When it's real and serious, people start paying attention, right? At the beginning, COVID was just a thought, then all of a sudden people realized it could kill someone, and boom, the whole world locked down. Is your faith serious? Because as long as you're still playing games, as long as you're still thinking what, that you're just one opinion among many, and you don't take Jesus very seriously, nobody cares. But the minute you're lit on fire, the minute you have the power of the Holy Spirit raging through your body, everyone has to take notice. That's how it works. Now, let me tell you three things I learned from the George Floyd situation that highlighted the racial injustice and all the aftermath that has occurred. I'm going to go through these real quick. Number one, here's what I learned. There is desperation for change in our nation. And I'll tell you, rightfully so. Too many broken systems, too long. Absolutely. But here's what's interesting. Did you know that the greatest movement in America of people going to church happened in the 1950s? Does anybody know why? World War II. The depression and loss that the war caused made everyone open to the gospel and they went into the church in droves. What happened next? As a matter of fact, a culture shift happened just like we're in right now. It's called the 1960s. The last major revival that our nation has ever seen was called the Jesus People Movement. God was alive and well, but then what happened? The 1970s. You know what happened? The greatest flood out from the church that we've been in ever since. Why? Because distrust of institutions came into our society. RFK was assassinated, JFK was assassinated, MLK was assassinated, and the Nixon era ended up coming in. And everyone said, I can't trust institutions, church is an institution, and they pulled out and they've been flooding out ever since. So I'm gonna ask you this, when we are dealing with this racial injustice issue, when we have upheaval in our nation and all this is stirred up, are we going to have revival or are we gonna have resignation? I don't know, it's up to God's people. What are we gonna do? Number two, here's what I learned. United causes are more powerful than individual agendas. As long as there was a few people calling out for racial justice, nobody cared. Once it was millions, everyone had to care. As long as it's lone Christians wandering around being their own voice and being disunified from one church to the next, we're never gonna have the movement we need. The minute we get over ourselves and we start uniting with other churches that are different than us, other people that are different than us, once we get over ourselves and we start learning that diversity creates power, the minute we start, what, making more relationships and connecting and we become a force of millions, everyone has to pay attention to Jesus. And the third thing that I learned is that young people are ready to be mobilized around a cause that matters. Do you realize that the majority of protests that were launched around the world that is changing the face of America were launched by 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds? They're changing us. Why? Because if it matters and they get behind it, worlds change. The reason why they're leaving the church in droves is they believe that we're all talk and no action. 
But what if we got on fire? What if we began to lead as an example to our young people that the Holy Spirit is alive and active? What if we began to do the very justice things that their heart cries out for? What if we began to live out the Christianity that the Bible talks about and they catch fire? Then our young people will lead us into an entire new era of revival. Amen? Amen. Nobody believes it. All right. That's all right. God believes it. I'm totally kidding. I'm going to close with this. See, the number one thing you learn about receptivity, about how God works, is that people become open to the gospel when they have loss, change, or hurt. Our world has a lot of loss, change, and hurt. But you know what? They need to turn to a Christian. Are they going to turn to you? Are you known for being so into Jesus and so loving that in their pain, they'll come to you? Because as long as you're known for any other agenda other than Jesus, as long as you're more known for your political persuasion than you are the King of Kings, nobody wants to come see you when they're hurting. When someone's weak, they go to someone safe. Is that person you? Let's close in prayers. We just kind of consider that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are great and mighty and you rule all things. Lord, when you're done with this COVID situation, you'll shut it down. And we pray that that would be soon, Lord. We pray for the protection of our people. We pray for the health and well-being as your word says we can. But God, we also have a lot of other things going on that need to be tore up and need to be changed and transformed. God, would you be in that too? But Lord, all along the way, you're the King of kings and Lord of lords, that you are more important of an agenda than anything else. And Lord, we are above all things Christians. That means, Lord, that your love has transformed us and we are praying that that love would cascade out of us into everyone we care about. Lord, would you light us on fire that the world would watch us burn. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.